Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. I am your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, welcome back to another winner's edition of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. Not your typical play the fight song because we won a game, but a lot has happened. Since the last time I sat in front of this microphone. And all of it involves winning. Alright? And we've won so much that we're drinking Chivas with some water on the rocks. Because when your dad leaves a bottle of Chivas behind, you you drink that shit. That's how that works. Ah, So cheers to that. But... I'm going to, right off the bat, here we go. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. There is a lot I can discuss. Apparently not enough people want me to make fun of Brian Kelly. Uh, and, uh, I'm so sorry, guys. I do declare that not a lot of people want to talk. Wait, what action should I do? I fr- I'm from Jersey. I spend some time in Indiana. I live in Texas now. I guess I just got to go a little bit country. So, I've, I've been I've been speaking in the wrong tone for a very very long time. I do apologize. I, more importantly, I I need to get a clear message that we are excited to have Marcus Freeman as a head ball coach. I do declare. All right, I can't do that all show. I have no idea how to do it. That was terrible. I know that. Cause guess what? That ain't my accent. That's not how I grew up. I'm a Yankee. Alright? And we walk the dog and we drink our coffee. And we go down to the shore. And my dresser has drawers. And I play in tournaments. And I drink water. That's normal. I don't know what the hell Brian Kelly was pulling down in the great state of Louisiana. But, hey, to each their own. So apparently I'm not supposed to make fun of him for... 90% 90% of the show, which is a shame, because it's getting so, so easy to do, and it just really shows us that he was full of it the entire freaking time, and that hurts as a person who was born blue and gold, the son of a Notre Dame grad, etc., etc., all you guys listening, whether you went there or didn't go there, uh, you're listening because you bleed blue and gold. And I'm not, I wasn't asking or expecting Brian Kelly to bleed blue and gold. That's, he's the coach. But you felt like the connections or connection he would have or should have made 
was there, and apparently it wasn't. And all the stuff he ever said in front of a microphone was pure and utter bullshit nonsense. He was a character, and that's when he went down to Louisiana, he got off the plane, picked up his script, and go, oh, okay, I'm this character now, I'm Foghorn Leghorn. Got it. Let's go. And it, Get her done. Well, he, he got her did. But him leaving was okay. Because as it turns out, Brian Kelly leaving in the most disgraceful and classless way possible allowed the door to be open to us hiring Marcus Freeman as our new head football coach. Hashtag the Freeman factor. Hashtag Freeman era. Hashtag whatever hashtag you want. Freeman, Reese, all of it. It wouldn't be possible if Brian Kelly didn't do what he did. So, thank you? You know, and you can thank Brian Kelly for several things, honestly. <clears throat> he left the program in a great position. That's why it's odd that he left. But you know what? <clears throat> there were plenty of things we didn't like about him. And one of those things, I think, was the handcuffs he put on Tommy Reese. Now, I said in my last episode, and I've said it all season, Tommy Reese and his bingo board of make sure you check off your boxes, fill your spaces, because you got to run a certain play at a certain time. Uh, the more I'm hearing, I feel Brian Kelly was the, the, the old ball and chain, now that I have, at my side at all times. No, uh, he was the guy holding Reese back. So, you know, if Reese is as good as people have said he should be or could be, uh, I feel like we're going to get a whole new offense. Not, that's not a whole new offense, but just an offense that doesn't seem to kick itself in its own ass every now and again for no apparent reason. I think Kelly had a lot to do with that. Kelly's not a, you know, step-on-your-throat kind of guy. I'm not saying Reese is or isn't, but I do think being closer to this generation where, you know, win, win big and win as much as you can, I think Reese has a little bit more of that in his brain than the sit on the football and, you know, play not to lose and don't hurt anybody's feelings and, you know, whatever. But we have a new era of Notre Dame football and it is exciting. How... When was the last time? I mean, I've been doing the Twitter thing since 2000. Golly, I'm trying to think. I joined 2013, initially 14. I don't remember. But I use Twitter as, as a gauge, which is obviously that's where you go to get the best information possible. It's Twitter. But when was the last time us Notre Dame fans, as a whole, I mean, as like 100%, we're all on the same page with something that happened within the Notre Dame football program. Because we are all on the same page with Marcus Freeman. And dude hadn't even coached a game yet. Well, hasn't been the head coach for a game yet. But uh, what he's accomplished to this point in his life, his career, makes me feel very worthless. Just throw that out there. I'm 37, he's 35. I'm sitting at a desk in Corpus Christi in front of a microphone, and he's the head coach of Notre Dame football. So somewhere along the lines, our, our past got 
diverted and he went on to bigger and better things but uh <laughs> man it's it's just exciting uh sorry to make so many jokes shivas will do that to you guys mm. and i'm able to drink shivas on a friday afternoon because i'm officially married it's way harder for her to walk away now so day drinking can be a little more of a thing sorry honey <laughs> we signed the papers and everything already <laughs> but no Freeman is bringing a life to this program that hasn't been seen in a long time and every single person is on board with it and it's awesome because you've seen what he does defensive coordinator what he's accomplished so far has been impressive and even just in, in the blue and gold we started off very rocky to our season <clears throat> defensively and he's Stuck with it, kept tweaking and tweaking, and you know, at season's end, we've got the 11th ranked defense in the country. You would not have guessed that if you told me after Florida State and Toledo, and uh, what was the other game that we looked like not awesome, maybe the Purdue game. If you said, Oh, hey, by the way, Notre Dame's going to be the 11th best team in the country at the end of the season, you're out of your mind. It was not a hot start, okay? It was hot garbage. And, you know, you can even put some of that, like even the Cincinnati game, you can put some of that on the offensive deficiencies that set our defense up to fail. But fact of the matter is, defense was not awesome to start. And then kept working at it, kept working at it, kept working at it, and boom, got it figured out. That says a lot. I know it's only the defense. Now you're the head coach. you got the whole team, all of it. But that tells me he's persistent. He's he's always thinking. He's not. He doesn't seem to be ever satisfied. And quite honestly, at 35, I I hope that he wouldn't feel that way. I mean, I'm just 37, and I'm far from satisfied in my professional career and you know what my goals are. And I feel like Brian Kelly was at a point in his life where he's pretty satisfied. Like, you know. And I thought he was so satisfied he'd just be at Notre Dame until he decided to retire. But um, for whatever reason, uh, he decided to jump ship. And the initial shock was like, oh no, what are we going to do? Like, And it was just so crazy. And I, I know I didn't have this information available to me last week. But it was nuts that all the coaches told Kelly, in more words or less, to go fuck yourself. Like, I don't think I said it last week because I don't think it was available just yet. Um, That Reese said, nope, no no spank you. And Elston and Bayless and uh, Taylor... And uh, McNulty, I'm trying to think. And then, they, oh, they took Brian Polian. Uh, no, you're no, please no. Yeah, I, I'm gonna love watching LSU in their fair catch game. It's it's gonna be good. They got five star fair catchers. I mean, it's LSU. You, you're in, admittance into the college comes with a, a color crown and a coloring book. So, but I love that. Uh, LSU fans are 
Diana shouted. Oh, what happened? And nobody wants to follow Kelly. Good job getting Polian, I guess. Now, the guy was a great recruiter. Okay, that's one thing we always said about Polian. Great recruiter. Great recruiter. Um, you know who's a better recruiter? Marcus Freeman. You know who Marcus Freeman is now? He's our head coach. So you can take your little special teams fair catch game and <clears throat> go do something else with it. Now, I know special teams are important. They can lose you games. But Notre Dame special teams was never going to win us a game. At least from my perspective. It was never going to happen that way. It was just a part of our team that was there. And, you know, and then finally you get Kyron Williams returning punts. Some excitement there. But it's just I'm not worried about Polian leaving. But LSU fans seem to think that was such a big deal. Cool. You got the skinniest girl at Fat Camp. Good on you. Congratulations. Have fun. You know, it, I I like the guys that stuck around. And I was on the fence about Reese. But like I said, I think some of the things that bothered me about Reese had more to do with Kelly without me realizing it. You know, I should have been more <clears throat> like uh, more insightful about like, oh, maybe Reese has something or uh, Kelly has something to do with Reese's inability to do something bigger or better. So Kelly tried to take half, more than half the staff, a lot of dudes, and nobody went. So yay for us. We get to keep these guys, and the future looks super bright. We're just, we're excited for the first time in a very long time. It just looks bigger and better than it, it has been because the one thing I think we can all agree was Motivation, preparation just seemed to be missing in those big games. And there's no doubt in my mind Marcus Freeman is going to bring the motivation, the intensity, and all of that. So I'm really, really looking forward, as I believe most of us, if well, all of us, I think are. You know, and, you know, some, you know, while they're excited about the change, because there's things that, like I said, Kelly hasn't been able to do, and we feel like Marcus Freeman might do it. There's still, you know, obviously some caution because he has never been a head coach. What should we expect? You know, we're and the bowl game. I don't think is going to give us that answer. Obviously, it's such a, a short window. Um, he doesn't even have a defensive coordinator at this point in time. And it, from what I understand, he's going to be waiting until after the bowl games have concluded. And that's likely to give teams that might have potential candidates a chance to finish their season so he can interview as many people as possible, uh, probably including, and as it should, Mike Elston. Um, I'd love to see him get the opportunity. He's in the program. There would be a level of continuity there. But again, Freeman has to fill out some spots on his staff. And I don't know how much of a different Notre Dame team we'll see in the bowl game. Offensively, I think there's an opportunity to see something a little bit different. you know. And, and I'd like to. You know, Oklahoma State is a good defense. But I, I don't know. I just want to see something you know, a little different. 
<clears throat> but I'm not going to go too much in depth about the Fiesta Bowl. We got time for that. This episode, I know I'm late to the party, guys. I, In terms of talking about the Freeman hire and the things that have happened and whatnot, I do apologize. I did get married on Saturday. So <clears throat> I had a lot going on. Many much things, many much. You know, and it, the right after the wedding, you know, obviously Sunday was just chilling out, hanging out. But Monday, Tuesday, I had to get stuff that we borrowed or rented or otherwise back to the people we borrowed or rented it from. So there was a lot of work in that regard. So I haven't been able to sit down and, and get this done as quickly or as timely as I would have liked. But we did make it there. And, you know, Saturday was a, a crazy day, you know, almost a week ago now. Uh, you know, obviously with the wedding, but for purposes of this podcast, you know, watching Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Baylor winning, you're like, oh, this is happening. This is going to happen. Like, all we needed was Cincinnati to slip up, which didn't seem likely, but... We're all hanging our hat on Georgia's going to beat Bama. Georgia's great. Like, what's the problem? And then then it was a problem. Because no other dominoes fell Notre Dame's way, and you already knew, well, so much for that. Like, it ain't happening. I don't care what the order is. Notre Dame's out. And it was uh, highlighted by a 42-3 Michigan ass-whooping of Iowa, which... Uh, like I said, if, unless Iowa averages four turnovers a game or gets four turnovers a game like they averaged to start the season, it was never going to happen for Iowa. But I was really surprised in the order in which the teams were ranked. Not that I want Michigan to be one, but they've played really well and beat teams that I think are better than <clears throat> anyone Georgia's played. Or even Alabama. I mean, Alabama beat Georgia, but... You know, just look at those three teams. Because I already, here's the thing. I knew immediately, I'm like, well, they're not going to put Cincy higher than four. They hate that they have to put Cincinnati in there anyway. From, like, they were not happy about that. So, figured by default, Cincinnati's got to be four. But I still felt like Michigan should be one. But I was like, well, wait a second. And I, I knew it. I was like, well, if they put Cincy four, like I suspect, I doubt they're going to, immediately set up an Alabama-Georgia rematch, and that's exactly what they did. They, I guess we got the matchups that I would have expected, which would have been Michigan 1, Alabama 2, Cincinnati 3, Georgia 4. You're getting Cincy-Bama, Michigan-Georgia. You're getting that just in a different order. But that leaves Notre Dame at the 5 spot. And justifiably so. Um, you know, I'm, making, I'm talking about how, you know, Georgia hasn't beaten anybody. Well, quite frankly, not, neither is Notre Dame. Um, and if you think about it, some of the big names, big games that we're supposed to have just didn't materialize because the other teams didn't hold up their end of the bargain. We can't control that is what it is. And the one big game we had, we lost. And that game still frustrates me because you're going to hear, well, Notre Dame ran all over Notre Dame and destroyed them. And that, the game was never out of their control. And, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Notre Dame fan, but that's not the story of the game. The story of the game is 
They scored 10 of their points by moving the ball a grand total of 20 yards. We threw an interception that gave them the ball on the 8, and they scored a touchdown. We fumbled a kickoff that gave them the ball on, like, the 20, and they moved it uh, 12 yards and kicked a field goal. Like, I... Oh, they're so good. Oh, they're so good. I mean, I don't know any how many teams can move the ball 20 yards. I mean, <laughs> the list is pretty short. I mean, come on. If like that, dude, you're going to tell your narrative about Cincinnati and it's going to include Notre Dame and you're going to ignore the fact that Cincinnati might have still won that game. I'm not saying Notre Dame should have won the game or would have won the game or any of that. All I'm saying is the score is not indicative of how the game actually went. In terms of its competitive nature, yes, at one point it was seventeen to nothing, but again, ten of those points were not exactly anything special. Cincinnati did. Oh, not to mention Jack Cohen threw a pick six, not a pick six, a pick in the end zone that should have been six for us. So, uh, but you know, if sands and butts, candies and nuts, we'd all be having a merry fucking Christmas. I get it. It's just. Uh, we're 11-1, New Year's 6. That's what I called way back in, what, January when I started this podcast? You know, we're coming up on a year, guys. Yes. Almost had a year of doing this. Kind of fun. What a season to start doing a podcast, by the way. Like, holy smokes. Such uncertainty coming in because we lost so many linemen. We lost Ian Book. What's going to happen? And I'm sitting there going, we're still going 11-1. Like, it didn't exactly, it wasn't the exact equation I put together. But 11-1 is 11-1. And, and I said we'd probably make a New Year's 6, but that was under the idea that there was going to be like a nearly undefeated, if not undefeated, say Clemson, and a one-loss or undefeated uh, SEC team, a potentially undefeated like Oklahoma. I just thought there were going to be too many teams that like 11-1 was going to be so far down the totem pole that... It wasn't going to happen. Well, then things fell the way they fell, and it was a real possibility there for a minute. Um, and much of Saturday. And then I had to go and get married. So when I walked out, I say walked out, but you know, I still had the TV on in the living room because we got married in the backyard. So uh, as I'm about to walk out my back patio door <laughs> to get married, I'm like over my shoulder, like, what's the score of the Bama Georgia game? But, you know, I just, it didn't work out. That's okay. You know, it's okay. We got Oklahoma State. And, I, like I said, I'm not going to do a whole Oklahoma State thing. That, that'll come soon. We'll do that soon. I don't know when exactly, but it'll happen. But we already got some news today that Kyron Williams and Kyle Hamilton are not playing in the bowl game. Now, Kyle Hamilton, I think, Pretty safe to say that was a, a foregone conclusion. I think we all knew that. Even if we made the CFP, I think Hamilton was kind of on the fence. Kyron Williams, you know, obviously he's healthy, but are you surprised? Because I'm not. Reminder, they go to the same school as Jalen Smith, who absolutely destroyed his knee to the point where will he play football again? in the Fiesta Bowl, which at, in 2015, which was a non-college football playoff game. 
So fast forward seven years. They're about to play in a non-college football playoff Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, it's just, I, I get it. I hate it, but I get it. <clears throat> but the cool thing is that I think Kyron Williams is a very intelligent person. We saw what Logan Diggs can do. We know what Chris Tyree can do. We saw a glimpse of Estime. Kyron Williams is probably sitting there going, listen, I I got my whole NFL career and future in front of me. You know, this one game is not going to make or break. Well, it's not going to make my NFL career. It could break it if something horrible were to happen. But he's also sitting there going, listen, Diggs has been tearing it up. You guys are going to be fine. Tyree, he's been my running mate for two years now. He's going to be fine. Like, we're good. Or no, not two years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, too, because he's a sophomore. Um, and then Estimate came in. A you have to think Williams played that through his head. Like, without me, what happens? I honestly, I am hesitant, but I'm not too worried. Okay. Well, here's okay. I was gonna bet this game because the line was like two and a half. <clears throat> Don't even win by two and a half, and I still think we will. But there are, you know, two three plays a game that Kyron Williams makes that just can't be duplicated. They they just can't be. It's, it's as little as. Cone dumping it off like, here, you take it. And then Kyron breaks like three tackles and gets a first down on third down. That that can't be duplicated, right? So I still believe Notre Dame can and will win this game. I do believe they're going to cover. <clears throat> but I, I'm not going to bet it. I wanted to. And who knows? Honestly, if I hear something about Oklahoma State's people... I'll probably be uh, reaching out to a certain person to, to make a bet for me. Who knows? We got time, right? As long as the line doesn't go crazy. But what should we expect from Notre Dame going forward now that we have Marcus Freeman? Uh, number one, well, it already happened in the last week. Either keeping or getting new commitments in the recruiting trail. Billy Schraup Schraup just committed, like literally before I started recording this. Um, Last week, Jalen Sneed was like, hey, I don't don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm really, I'm tight with Freeman. Like, Freeman's my dude. I don't know what I'm going to do. Freeman gets announced as head coach. Jalen Sneed's like, I'm going to Notre Dame. You know, it's just, that was so interesting. You don't want to just put it on recruiting, but at the same time, Notre Dame has won 54 games in five seasons without getting consistent, like, top 10 recruiting classes. Forget top five. How about top 10? We're not doing it, and we're still winning 54 games. Like, the difference is not as big as people wanted to to be, but the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, you look at the teams that keep winning these national championships, and it's 
you can go back and see their recruiting numbers. And that's that could be the difference between Notre Dame being <clears throat> the top of the very, very, very good. Like after those three names I always mention on my show, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. <clears throat> now Clemson took a dip. I get it. He still went 9-3. And, and, you know, now Georgia's up in the mix. But Notre Dame's right there. They're the next the next group. We're probably the top of that next group. And it's like, man, just a couple recruits here, a couple recruits there. If we can keep Tobias Merriweather, despite the, the... I thought I was done talking BK. BK Broiler. Holy shit. If you guys haven't seen the Tobias Merriweather story, go read it. Go search it. Um... Just burnt ends. That's all you need to know, right? Burnt ends. Got some brisket. Got some barbecue. But effectively, he accepted the job in front of this kid's face. Tell us you or confirmed the finality of it. I. He was at this kid's house having dinner. Stepped out for 15 minutes. Came back. And according to the story, the Merryweathers were like, Brian Kelly couldn't have been a half mile away. And we were texting uh, Della. I think they texted Alexander. They might have been Reese, but I'm pretty sure it was Alexander. And I said, hey, is Brian Kelly going to LSU? And Brian Kelly told Alexander to tell Tobias Merriweather that's bullshit. Well, apparently, Brian Kelly saying that's bullshit was actually bullshit. <laughs> and, you know, but... It looks like the kid had a deeper connection to the university and others involved than just Brian Kelly, which that's why there wasn't some mass decommitment exodus. There wasn't uh, all like coaches leaving all of this. Everybody stuck around because for whatever reason, Notre Dame, I said, whatever. I know what the reason is, but Notre Dame is deeper than just, uh, the man in charge. It's 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 a true commitment to, you know, four for forty and doing something post football. Um, it's just it's a good place to be. There's not a lot of universities and colleges around the country that offer what Notre Dame does, and the kids that commit to Notre Dame really do that. And even with Freeman, even obviously he is a big part in this. I get it. But I still think at the root, it's Notre Dame before Marcus Freeman. Whereas clearly at Oklahoma, it was Rick Lincoln Riley. And then, okay, yeah, unfortunately, he's in Oklahoma. And as soon as he went to uh, uh, USC, a lot of decommitments, right? We didn't see that with Notre Dame. But recruiting should take a huge bump forward. And I just heard today, they expect better offensive recruits to come in with Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese there. Because Tommy Reese, apparently, has been a very good recruiter. And he's tried to go after certain guys. And and a certain someone, uh, who's now in the great state of Louisiana, um, didn't always back Tommy Reese in pursuit of certain guys. And... So we didn't get him, or didn't try to get him, or couldn't get him. Whatever it was, it, it, nobody nobody was pushing in the same direction. I say nobody, but 
one guy, they were pushing against each other effectively. Marcus Freeman isn't going to do that. He's already proven that Notre Dame has the ability to recruit at the next level. You just have to do it and want it. It's not hard. I mean, it might be hard. I don't know. But it can be done, and he's doing it. So, recruiting, expect that to take a, a big bump, even more so than we've seen since his arrival on campus. Secondly, I do believe because he is a defensive-minded guy, he's going to give Tommy Reese a few more freedoms that just were not possible with Brian Kelly in charge. So I do believe we can see an offense like we saw get run against us when we played Alabama, when we played Clemson. Like I think I think we have the guys to do it. You just have to be willing to you know, design the offense around that idea. And you, I think you saw glimpses of it throughout the season. And, you know, hopefully uh, that was, hopefully that was all Tommy Reese is doing. And BK just went along with it. But then BK had to chime in and, you know, kind of kick yourself in the ass for no reason. Uh, so two is getting a better version of what this offense could and should be. Three, fun, man. Uh, Marcus Freeman's going to bring some fun and excitement to this program. And things that we've been uh, asking for. And things that, let me, things that kids like. You, you don't think that the, those players would want to, once a year, throw on a green jersey and run out of the tunnel? Like, why you got to make that such a, a, like, kids love that shit. I don't care what the 70, 80-year-old Notre Dame fan, oh, blue and gold every day, white on the road, that's it. You just wear the same uniform every time. Kids don't, no, that's not, I have kids. I, I can be called a kid. My wife swears she's got five kids, but whatever. Kids want to do fun shit like that. And I think Freeman gets that. So, like, little, you'll see just... I already feel like we're going to see a lot of shit. And just be like, oh, man. That, that is so cool. That is fun. Like, bring it. Let's do it. And it, I guess with fun, you're going to get energy. And a good energy. Not a purple-faced, screaming-at-you energy. You know? And... With the support Freeman's received from every angle, uh, the players first and foremost, you know, then obviously the coaching staff that stuck with him. Then it bleeds into um, important people in the Notre Dame circle supportive. Then it goes to former players. Trickle all the way down to the fans who, if you're listening to the fans, what's the phrase? If you're listening to the fans, you might as well sit with the fans. Something to that effect. You should be sitting with the fans if you're listening to the fans. I, but point being is, no, you shouldn't be listening to us on Twitter. I don't want to put us down. We're good people. We're good people, okay? But you shouldn't be listening to uh, a guy drinking a shivis at 12.30 on a Friday afternoon. That's not 
That's not who you listen to, okay? So, the support Freeman's gotten from the people that matter, I think is going to lead to Notre Dame providing things that whether they didn't want to, didn't feel the need, whatever the story might be, just certain things that they didn't provide to Brian Kelly that I think he wanted and from facilities and you know some uh, different things to to make the program better otherwise. And they probably should have done it, you know, but I think they're gonna feel motivated to do it for Marcus Freeman. And I am very excited to see what this all turns out to be. You know, it, it it's gonna be fun. I who would have thought that I'd go from starting a podcast that predicting Notre Dame to go eleven and one, making a New Year's six, to my podcast effectively starting the mar not mine solely, but you know, so many others out there that recently started podcasts about Notre Dame football, some just this year, mid season even. Um, effectively starting the Marcus Freeman era. You know, that's what 2021 is. I mean, a lot of stuff's happened in my life, very personal to me. Biggest one being uh, six days ago, getting married. But, like, just in general, <clears throat> we new head coach. I got a new house. I got a, a wife. Uh, a new car. Like, the, the list of things that have happened in 21 which is my favorite number, interesting, has been huge. And uh, I feel like years and years from now, I'm going to look back, I'll be talking to my kids and be like, man, 21 was nuts. You know, I don't know what year it'll be, but we're going to... Freeman's only 35, guys. So maybe when I'm my dad's age, I'll be talking to my kids and be like, would you believe the year I started my podcast was the same year that Marcus Freeman took over at Notre Dame? After Bayou Brian took his family to do something more important with his life? I don't want your life. But 2021, what a freaking year, man. Oh. And there's still how many more days to go? 21. Ah, man, it's just been a wild ride. And I'm glad I can be a part of your day, guys. I I see all the comments. You guys reach out to me. I, I see how many more people I get listening each week. I'm I'm li I'm literally having fun. This is fun for me. Like this is awesome. And just thank you guys so much. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Maybe one day I'll figure out a way to monetize this thing. Uh, I am a marketing major, so I feel like I should know how to do that. But I know I did a lot of rambling. I didn't really have notes. I had some just some thoughts in my head about all that has transpired over the past week. And I just wanted to get it out. And yes, there will be plenty more Fiesta Bowl talk going forward. Um... I'm not sure how that's going to look if I'll do a, a podcast a week, if I'll just wait to like, you know, 
10 or so days before the actual Fiesta Bowl and whatnot. But uh, I definitely will make some time, get some information, and find out what, what what's Oklahoma State's story. You know, we've got some guys opting out, and maybe they will too because they had to be a little bit crushed. All they had to do was, all they had to do was win. They had to beat Baylor, and they were in. I think, I believe, even even if the uh, Alabama-Georgia game went the way it did, I think Oklahoma State had a real shot to still get in. Um, so maybe they're a little, you know, what, like 2017 Auburn, uh, what year... Georgia missed out and Texas beat them. I'm just, I'm just thinking of when like these big name programs, not to say Oklahoma State is Auburn or Georgia or whatever, but you know you're a little let down either from preseason hype, which was the Auburn story, or uh, end of season slip up that cost you the playoff, like Georgia. You just don't have the same motivation. Whereas Notre Dame was was never in a, after the Cincinnati game, it was never, oh, just keep winning and you're in. We still need a lot of help. And also working against Oklahoma State is the hype and excitement, the buzz around Notre Dame football with the Marcus Freeman hire, which has, again, gotten praise from every angle. Uh, You know, the talking heads in sports media and Everywhere you turn, like there's not a bad thing to say about this hire. You know the players. You know the players are juiced up for it, man. So uh, that could work against Oklahoma State as well. But that's all I got this fine afternoon. Thank you all for listening. Sorry it took so long, but I appreciate each and every one of you. You can always find me on Twitter at Five Foot Nothing Pod. Emails always available, five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. But message me, reach out, tag me. I, I love the interaction, I enjoy it. And let's enjoy the weekend. Cheers. Five foot nothing, under nothing, out.